Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think you are doing, you twits? It's cliched and obvious, you know. My name is Seb Philpot. And I'm Verity Simmons. And this is Three in a Bar. Yeah. And um, you join us here this week for episode 11. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> yeah. We're into the teens now. We're, we're still going. We've not been uh, hounded off yet, <laughs> no. that is a phrase. I know, well, I, I wait weekly for the houndings, but thankfully they do not come. It is good. No, they've not come yet, no. <laughs> um, and we've got a very exciting guest this week. Verity, would you please tell us who it is? Okay, I certainly will. I've looked in the drawer and in there is Kelly Pratt. He is a multi-instrumentalist. He is a composer and he is a ranger and he is an excellent person. Um, and we spoke to him via the power of zoom because he was he is in america in fact i i was trying to remember exactly where <laughs> i've forgotten again where yeah do you remember he's in um where's harvard okay he's there that's massachusetts so- there we go somewhere Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah massachusetts yeah east coast yeah. that's right isn't it yeah yes. that's right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just can't retain that information. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> anyway, some background about Kelly. He, yeah. right, so he was basically in the band Beirut from 20, uh, 2006 to 2012. Um, he yep. collaborated with David Byrne and St. Vincent, providing arrangements for their album Love This Giant, as well as serving as arranger yep. and musical director for their world tour. And I've seen that video. It's amazing, isn't it? I think we're going to put a link yeah, of it in our bio. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant album. That I um I actually only discovered it uh, last year. I couldn't believe I hadn't heard of it before. No. Um, I've David Burns, someone I, I sort of gradually got got to know more about. It's, you know, people always recommend him. Talking Heads. There's yeah. There's that video. Stop. Stop making sense. People love. And um, yeah, just just learning more about David Byrne, and I I just really like his music. So yeah. Um, and then I then I discovered this album, and uh, actually my wife discovered this album, yeah. and then we listened to it on holiday. It was um, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's all, all brassy and all sorts. Yeah, but yeah, check out the videos. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, carry on with the biography. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. 
Pratt is also the chief songwriter and vocalist of the band Bright Moments, whose debut NPR called a wildly creative album packed with energy. Did that sentence make sense? I'm not convinced. I think my intonation was all wrong, but you get the general gist of it. Um, Since 2017, 2017, he has served as the arranger... Otherwise known as 2017. (laughs) 20 and 17. He has served as the arranger, conductor and multi-instrumentalist for Father John Misty's touring band, as well as recording on several of the band's studio albums. As a composer of media, he works. his works have been featured on MTV, The Daily Beast, Marketplace um, and various other things. Uh, he's, mm. yeah, he does loads of stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I remember first seeing his name on i think it was um a coldplay album oh yeah or, or an ep he, he played on oh, i can't I, it's one of the viva viva la vida or that's right or prospects march there's one of those it's i can't quite find out online exactly which bit but and i don't have the physical record anymore but i remember seeing his name on that and it was like very early on in i was still at college so i was yeah. you know seeing these names and like, oh wow how do you get to be playing on big albums like that and and then I'd see his name pop up on all sorts of things. And he's played with, um, you know, Arcade Fire. Yeah. So he was in their touring band for a while, wasn't he? He was. So I and think he did a whole year with them, didn't he? Yeah, he's done so many different things. Um, I saw him uh, recently, as I mentioned in the, in the podcast, uh, on the credits for Midsummer, mm. the film that came out last year. Really great film. Yeah. Uh, it's um, Yeah, I really recommend it. Sort of real psychological oh. horror film brilliant it's really good (laughs) yeah um he wrote some stuff for that um yeah so he's always been someone i've i've known about and but it's really lovely to to meet him and talk about music and yeah and what he does yeah yeah he's great and it's so interesting I, i really like this chat there's so much in there when i was trying to write notes about it earlier i was like i just don't know where really to start because he's just got such huge interest in music and he yeah he's a very interesting guy and i hope you like him yeah that's right so how did we start off this conversation i think we uh as uh as maybe as we usually do i imagine i asked him about lockdown (laughs) yeah (laughs) which yeah we did and uh well we'll see what he says to that is he is he doing lots of creative work is he not we'll find out as we go (laughs) Through, I started turning into um, David Frost there. <laughs> through the keyhole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, why not? As we go through the keyhole <laughs> to Kelly Pratt. are you at the moment because i was thinking you were in portland and my my really great sleuthing skills discovered that that cannot be the case because we're not on because that's est that's not est is it est yeah right um right now i'm in cambridge massachusetts ah. um my partner has a but she's taking taken a visiting position at harvard for the semester so ah. um we're here until the end of july and then she has another um, fellowship that's supposed to take us to L.A. for a year, hopefully. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. So we may go back to Portland or we may go to L.A. Um, 
And then after that, we're moving to North Carolina, I think. We'll see. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we've been all over the place. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like extended touring. I like it. it yeah, <laughs> it is. Absolutely. How are you finding this lockdown period? Are you feeling creative? Is it going well? <laughs> No, um, no, 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 oh. no. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I, I mean, as you know, doing this with a child is not the easiest thing in the world. And mine is four, nearly five. <laughs> yeah. And so it requires constant, you know, she requires constant attention. She can't do anything by herself. So like, unless we put the TV on, then you get an hour and a half or something. Yeah. Uh, so, like, so, no, I'm not getting a lot done. Um, I'm trying to slam through work when I can a couple hours a day. and But then by night, it's like I'm too too drained to really do anything. And so, like, creativity is not even in the conversation right now. Oh, God, I know. Are you doing this? You were doing this project I've seen on Instagram. And I thought it was brilliant those first two tracks that you released from it's now is it jimmy buffet or buffett what how would you say it jimmy buffett, buffett. i imagine that <laughs> i imagine that jimmy buffett does not translate uh, too well over the pond um, i mean like it it did you guys grow up hearing about him at all no. in any way I don't think never so. heard of him before it's kind of like fish or something like you guys don't right have fish so much over there but i mean it's way worse than fish it's like um a a friend of mine once said it's like children's music for drunk adults (laughs) (laughs) so it's really really bad music i i I just um i grew up listening to it uh it was like one of the first tapes i ever had the jimmy buffett's greatest hits and so more than almost any record you know maybe like kind of blue or you know some of those ones like that um I know literally every twist and turn and lyric and everything. So like um, I was like in a bar one night and they were closing down um, and to get everybody out of the bar, they played Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. And so like, I just said to myself, like as I was walking home, like half drunkenly thinking like Jimmy Buffett is really like kind of the world's most hated music in a way (laughs) like he's got his fans and everything but it's it's like white guy island music it's Mm. just really really bad there's almost nothing redeeming about it the lyrics are awful (laughs) like there's just simplistic uh they're awful so i was like well maybe i can like try and redeem these songs a little bit and much like i don't know if you guys are familiar with the dirty projectors um, but uh they he did a record um where he recreated a black flag record um, mm. without listening to it. So like ah. that's kind of what I did with this, just recreating these songs based upon my memory of them. And so each one is in kind of a different style. Um, yeah. The next one is going to be like a super punk rock version of this ridiculous song called fins. So <laughs> we'll see how long I can keep going with this. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty silly. Yeah, I love it though. But the second one you released, the sort of sea shanty style yeah. one, that was really beautiful arrangement. So it sounded gorgeous. Like, there's some really lovely, lovely music in there. Despite, Thanks. The- I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that one, for example, like the lyrics aren't. The lyrics are okay for that one. They they kind of tells a story and like, 
um, about this old man. And, you know, they're not all completely irredeemable piles of shit. I mean, can we curse on here? <laughs> yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I, I figured, I figured. Um, but for the most part, they are. Yeah. What's the first one? Cheeseburger something. <laughs> Cheeseburger in paradise. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> It's not James it's Joyce. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so going along that with side that, what other kind of stuff were you listening to growing up? What were your main influences? Well, you know, I I didn't have have a particularly musical uh, childhood as far as like being exposed to a lot of different stuff. Um, mm. My parents listened to like the Beatles and like you know Motown and stuff in the car, but we only had a handful of tapes and. You know, they weren't listening to like, they weren't listening to later Beatles, for example. Right. You know, it was all the yeah. early stuff, and like the they weren't listening to late Marvin Gaye or late Temptations. You know, it was all the early sort of uh, more simplistic, you know, stuff. Um, yeah. So my mom is a singer. She was in church choirs her whole life. Um, but yeah, I, I I did I didn't really have an overt pleasure of music early on i don't think i started piano at five um and then i moved to trumpet in fifth grade and then just sort of carried on you know um all the way through high school and then after that it's like what am i gonna do in college and well like my last year in high school i i took like four out of six of my classes were music classes so i was moving in that direction yeah um yeah and then yeah, I went I went to university for music, but I didn't I only applied to like my hometown school. I, I wasn't very mm. uh particularly motivated kid or anything. Like I mean I got decent grades and you know, mm. once in high school it, it was like the priorities were very much about like partying and yeah. Like yes, getting high. And then once I got to college, like the first year, it's very much like discovering lsd and like you yeah. know other sort of drugs and so that was that was the deal for a while um yeah <laughs> but then like <laughs> third year in university i started to get pretty serious about it um through jazz music uh so like had a real good community of um musicians in in university of kentucky is where i went and so we we all were sort of you know all these light bulbs were going off, you know, for all of us at the same time. And it was really kind of special, like just discovering Rasan Roland Kirk and discovering, you know, like late Coltrane. And, yeah. Brilliant. You know, yeah. Dis discovering like discovering stuff that's beyond, you know, Dave Brubeck, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah sure. Um, that must have been a complete uh, revelation, especially as a brass player, you know, as a trumpet player, that must have been incredible and eye opening to see all this new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And just like the sonic possibilities from, you know, Mingus, for example. Yeah. Uh, like if you're an arranger of any sort, you you know, Mingus is going to weigh heav heavily on you. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, uh, sonic possibilities uh, or impossibilities, you know, like Rasan Roland Kirk. He, he was a really, really big win for me um, because he could do all this weird shit, but also like he was just a supremely gifted melodic improviser. Um, yeah. And a lot of people dogged him for, you know, playing three saxophones at once and like having all these sort of clowny antics. But at the heart of it, he was one of the finest in my mind, sort of like melodicists of that era. 
Brilliant. Yeah. And um, so you, you, you sort of learned, started off on the piano and then trumpet, and then you play lots of instruments. Um, we just, just wanted to play all of them, see what they felt like and see what you liked the most. Yeah. Um, well, I certainly don't like trumpet the most. It's, as you, you know, it's a bear. Um, and like, <laughs> yeah. if you don't, if you don't stay, stay with it all the time, like I haven't played in probably a week Yeah. and I am dreading picking that thing back up again. It's just not, it's not it's my horrible. favorite instrument to play. It's so right. hard. It's like, you know, you, you have to work so hard at it. Not that yeah. you don't at any instrument, but, um, it, it started, uh, kind of unintentionally, in college because for a moment I was a music education major and as a music ed major, you have to learn how to play all the instruments. So oh, I, I see. It took a semester with a violin, a oh, wow. semester where I did all the other strings like bass and viola, cello, um, a semester of clarinet, semester of flute, semester of bassoon, um, and a semester of percussion. Wow. I didn't take any of the other brass instruments because you didn't have to, I think, if you were a brass player. Um, but then the, I, I put them down. I didn't pick those any of those instruments back up again until uh, right around 2006 when I joined Beirut, I think is kind of when I picked, picked up the euphonium. And then from euphonium, it was like, okay. oh, let's go to French horn. And then, you know, from there, from there it branched out. But it, if you're a trumpet player... It's really quite easy to switch to euphonium and um, French horn because if you're playing a B flat horn, um, it's the same fingerings. You know, it's just a different embouchure. And yeah. you know, I'm not going to win any international. I mean, I was never going to win any international competitions on trumpet, anyways. So, like, um, I, I, my mindset was such that, like, you know, right around that time is when I stopped practicing trumpet altogether. And I, you know, other than you know, uh, maintenance, long yeah. tones, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, because I feel like if I'm going to practice something, I want to practice something that I'm not as good at. I feel like I'm as good as at trumpet as I ever really will need to be. I'm yeah. not going to try out for the BS, the Boston Symphony Orchestra. You know, right. I'm not going to try out for uh, Moulin Rouge or something. I mean, if, <laughs> yeah. If that, yeah. If, if that, if that opportunity presented itself, I would probably consider doing it, you know? So after university, I moved to New York straight out of college um, because uh, my degree, I ended up getting it in arts administration, uh, a BA oh, yeah. in arts administration and a BA in music, just general music. And so I moved to New York to work at Verve Records uh, okay. in 2001, a month before 9-11 and worked there for six years. Uh, meanwhile, like I didn't know anybody when I moved to New York, one or two people. Meanwhile, I was uh, practicing every day a lot, like because I didn't know anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jazz almost exclusively. And sort of what that consisted of primarily for me was my number one goal um, was to be able to play anything that I could hear in my head, you know? Yeah. Um, and what that practice consisted of was almost exclusively memorizing improvised solos and then learning them in every key. So like, wow. you know, a lot of, a lot of Clifford Brown, yeah. uh, transcriptions played in all 12 keys, a lot of Rasan Roland Kirk, 
lot of Sonny Stitt. Um, so were you playing you know, just, trumpet here or, or yeah, anything? Trumpet. trumpet, yeah. Yeah, only trumpet and flugelhorn at that point yeah. still in the early 2000s. Still, I, I mean, piano. I kind of stuck with piano, but I didn't have a piano there um, so, in my tiny ass apartment. So that approach, was, <laughs> was that something that, that your your peers had been doing when you were sort of passing around jazz records and, and um, all just trying to learn jazz? Um, was that something they were doing as well or had you read that somewhere else or was that just a, the natural way of learning? Um, yeah, I, I think it's all, all of the above. I, you know, um, I took like an improvisation class, which in my sophomore year, I think, and certainly part of the course was uh, was transcribing uh, So What? Like that was the first thing, yeah. the Miles Davis. Um Nowhere in that course was it suggested that you, like, learn an entire solo in every key. I mean, it was more like, you know, learn, practice licks over different chord changes and do it in every key. So it it was was pretty loose sort of education. My friends were doing that. I don't know if they were to the extent that I was, but most of my friends, uh, or a lot of them, were better improvisers than me. So, like, I don't know if they took those steps um or i i i wouldn't know if they were better improvisers or they were just better at doing the thing yeah exactly getting rid of the barrier um you know what essentially what it means is getting rid entirely as much as you can of the barrier between what's going on up here and what's going going out the bell yeah absolutely Uh, and some people were more um adept at it than than i was um so that's that's something that really really helped and even that's even helps more than sort of quarterly analysis or um you know learning your scales or mm. um because essentially it's just a sped up version of learning yeah your and i guess yeah. it's getting this freedom into your work then as well suddenly right. just feeling much less tied to sort of rules and and the page actually just being able to do things in a much freer way yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm It was a really awesome job. I was working in production, and I had a great boss, um, really great team of people, and a fantastic catalog. Like Universal owns, you know, so much yeah. of the jazz yeah. catalog, and it, so it was like Verve, Impulse, MRC, Decca, Norgran. Uh, I mean, the list of holdings just go ECM. Like it, it just goes on and yeah. on and on. So it, it was kind of like being a kid in the candy store there. Uh, because I had unlimited access to our entire catalog. Amazing. And then wow. I had trading partners uh, at other labels like Blue Note um, and Sunnyside. So, like, I would send them big gift boxes of Verve stuff and they would send me their stuff too. Um, and I think more crucially, even than j- the jazz at that point, after a few years there, was trading. Y- trading with other labels that were not jazz based or like, or other um, places and owned by universal that like Def Jam and Island. And like, so at this point it's like, you know, I'm thinking like, do I really need to listen to Kenny Dorham's seventh best record for the ninth (laughs) time? Like, No, I don't think (laughs) so. Like I'm going to check out, you know, Tom Waits's eighties Island records. Um, 
Yeah. I'm going to listen to the entire Roots catalog, you know, like brilliant. Yeah. I've always been into like since college, I guess, like hip hop and, and, uh, you know, rock, psychedelic rock, that sort of stuff. But having the unfettered access to like basically unlimited music, which everybody has now, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. it's kind of overwhelming to have that now because like, yeah, you don't know where to start. No, you don't quite. know where that's going to lead you. Um, but in any case, like back then, you know, I, I'm getting lots of CDs and really expanding my palette, like, and starting to move not away from jazz because I was still performing. I mean, after a few years, I started meeting people and uh, meeting more people and performing more. Uh, first, like a lot of free jazz improvised music. Um, Brilliant. I was doing that a lot in New York. Um that must have been a really exciting scene, wasn't it? The whole free jazz scene in Europe must have been incredible. Yeah, I mean, there was, there were and are, most of them are still around, so many masterful improvisers um, of that, you know, idiom. Um, unfortunately, there was nine times out of ten, there was more people on stage than in the audience. There was <laughs> yeah. really no audience yeah. for it, which is, uh, like, I look back on it now, when I was in the thing, it, it didn't strike me as odd because, like... Um, you know, it's just the way that I experienced it. But, you know, of course, if you went to like a John Zorn concert or something, there yeah. would be people there. It, like the more famous people, there would be people there. But yeah. um, it's interesting, like flash forward to these days, like in Portland, there's a really great um, improvised music organization that puts on concerts. And every time there's, you know, at least 50 people there. Um, so like, it's striking to see the difference in Portland, which is obviously way smaller. Yeah. Ten times smaller to have ten times the audience. It's very heartening, isn't it? To yeah. See that yeah. It's now. great. It's And I wonder yeah. if like in New York, it's changed around a little bit now and there's more. Well, there's no audience for anything now, but no, right. um, <laughs> I'd be interested to see. Yeah, And I think it's true when I go back to New York and I go to a more like improvised uh, concert. I feel like the audience is bigger now than it was around the turn of the century. All of that listening and then all of the multi-instrumental work that you did when you were studying. So this must have had a huge impact on your arranging throughout your career. Do you, do you find that you're still just drawing on new things all the time that sort of unlocking stuff in your head that you've had for built up all this time? Yeah, I think so. I, I think like certainly knowing how to play the instrument, um, you know, knowing what the instrument can do and you can do that like the best composers and arrangers know what a bassoon can do you know mm. what i mean like yeah. um but ha being able to pick it up because i have everything with me here too like oh, wow. all the yeah. brass and all the woodwinds except i don't have any double reeds right um i don't own any of those they're too expensive yeah but, <laughs> yeah uh, you know just having that at your fingertips and being able to pick it up really like because when I arrange, unless it's for strings, because I don't really play strings very well. Oh, I don't know. Um, a semester on violin, that's enough, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I, I own a viola, and I, I'll record, like, um, pizzicato stuff or, like, um, really simple uh, arco stuff. But, yeah. you know, playing a, playing a string instrument is a lot like playing a brass instrument in that, like, you have to spend one entire year doing long tones mm. to get yeah. some sort of control over it before you can like show really any, do anything that's presentable to yeah, anyone. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I, 
I worked on it for a bit and then said, fuck this. <laughs> it's taking you made too much the right time. choice. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so also, if you, if you um, take a day off, then you're screwed, aren't you? You, you're, uh, you go back about 10 years. <laughs> so I do. Sausage anyway. fingers. <laughs> yeah. Very much sausage <laughs> fingers. Sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I was just wondering about when you were arranging for these guys, so like when you were working with David Byrne and St. Vincent, for example, how much yeah. creative control did they give you um, in within your arrangements? Did they lay out exactly what they wanted from you or did they give leave you to work with the, the material? Um, well, yeah, every situation, as you probably would guess, is different. Yeah. Um, that one, so I worked a little bit on the record. I only did one arrangement for the record. Um, and I played some on it as well. Um, so for the one arrangement that I did for the record, I went over to David's apartment and he sort of played me a demo. And uh, we just talked about it a little bit. And he had some, he had pretty specific ideas, I would say. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how all of the songs on that record worked, but certainly that one, um, well, I shouldn't say that either. I, I don't know how much him and Annie worked on it together before he sent it to me, but I get the impression that a lot of that record was sort of, um, they, David would write a song and Annie would write a song and mm. David would write a song. Yeah. And then, so they, they demo it out and then get together and work on it a little bit. Um, but th what David sent me, uh, was pretty, pretty complete. It was definitely a demo, you know, it needed yeah. to be, it didn't sound very good, but, um, the song was there Yeah. and he, he either used uh, soft synths or I think a lot of the little sort of arranging things that were going on, he was using his vocals for, which, by mm. the way, having listened to a lot of uh, having got a lot of sessions from David with stems, like, yeah, listening to him sing these parts is hilarious <laughs> and really sweet <laughs> and fun, too, because uh. like. He doesn't. He he is not concerned with the quality of his voice when he's doing just these like uh, rough arranging ideas or rough background vocals or anything. So to solo, me and a couple of my buddies have done this like solo to single background. <laughs> I shouldn't be talking about this, but but uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. But so he, he he had a pretty specific idea of what he wanted, and we worked together on it a little bit. Um, and then I wrote out the arrangement uh, and I, I added a few things here and there, some little creative, uh, more eff effect sort of things like yeah. half valve torn stuff and, yeah. um, just some little, uh, counter, uh, contrapuntal ideas, uh, and some little melodic flourishes here and there. Uh, and then we went into the studio and recorded it. There was, I think there was probably 15 horns or something basically i i determined what the instrumentation would be and i orchestrated the thing and right. um, then we got into the studio and we played through it a few times david and and annie had some ideas some changes uh and we knocked those out did it and then they ended up editing a few things and it they made it a better arrangement just by cutting 15 percent of it out right um, that's something that i I'm not good at learning, even knowing that you should be cutting 
15% out at least. Um, I'm still kind of a maximalist when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. Go big. <laughs> bring yeah. it back. It's I mean, you can, always, you can always bring it back, right? Yeah, quite. Exactly. It, that sounds like a really great collaborative process, um, you know, of, you know, because you've got two main artists working on an album together. It seems like they, they employed lots of different brass players and arrangers to just to make it as collaborative as possible and to see what was possible. Um, yeah, I guess that's quite a rare project, isn't it? Something like oh, that. Oh yeah, it's it's really rare. I've never, well, I shouldn't say never, but it, it's pretty uncommon. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think, like the record, the record's great. I love it, and yeah. I think they pulled it off remarkably, having like five different arrangers on the thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then, it, it's very cohesive as a record. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I didn't when I when I first listened. I, I had no idea. Well, I, I was the whole time. I was like, how, "How have they done this?" Because I know they're not brass players at all. The whole project is yeah. so intriguing, and and the way that they, from what I gather, they a lot of it was done over email. You know, not yep. not even in person. Um, and then brilliant that then they, they then went to experts like like yourself to just to to see what was what was possible with that instrumentation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think the instrumentation was pretty similar from track to track. I mean, yeah. you know, give or take a few horns here and there. And the personnel, there was one song that had Antibalas on it and then one that had uh, some other folks. But for the most part, the inst- uh, the um, musicians were fairly consistent. I mean, if you look at the okay. the personnel sheet, it's quite extensive and uh, it's a long list of credits on yeah. that record. But yeah. yeah. Um, but mostly because there's 10 to 20 brass players on every track. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and that actually like, that was kind of the challenge when it came time to do the arrangements for the live thing too. It's like, cause the, it was kind of on me to figure out what the instrumentation, how big the band would be essentially like, um, and what the instrumentation would be. And it was fortunate, like I, I and I chose the people too. So I chose people. Um, uh, one of my buddies is named uh, John Natchez, and we've done a lot of stuff together. We were in Beirut together. We were in this band called the Silent League together. We were. He was in the David Byrne Saint Vincent Project, and both him and I at the same time around 2004, I guess 2005, both of us started branching out, like to take it back a little bit. Um, branching out into the other instruments. So I started le- playing all the brass right around then, 2004, 2005, and he started playing all the woodwinds. And then me and him would go into the studio together um, with people, and we'd do the whole horn section. So, mm. you know, euphonium, French horn, trombone, trumpet, flugelhorn, flute, clarinet, alto, tenor, berry, bass clarinet, tuba, you know, you, two people, and you have that whole thing. And we, yeah. we did that on a number of sessions uh with this band herman dune we did a bunch of stuff with them and just a lot in new york too commercials and records and stuff like that that is so So, amazing that's great for people as well to have that you know that you could you've got the ability to do that and the two of you can do all of that without having to call in various people yeah yeah i mean and especially like as music sells less and less budgets shrink Mm. um it uh it it helps to be able to play all that stuff you know Mm. did you have your own remote studio setup for those projects when you were called up or did they hire out a studio for you to work in yeah at that time um no 
2004, 2005, I didn't have any sort of home setup. Um, I, I think 2006 is when I first bought my, my first inbox um, and started using GarageBand and Pro Tools. Yeah. Um, but even in, then, it wasn't until a few years later that I was able to sort of actually start doing it from home. But we were in New York, so like that's yeah. where everybody was recording anyways, and it, it was a really pretty busy time. Like that that last year or so uh, before I quit Verve, it was like go to work every day and then like go to a recording session or a gig at night. Nearly every day was, was that. Like, wow. It was great. I, Amazing. I, I, I'm yeah, that not sounds, complaining sounds about brilliant. it. It was, it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, sorry to... I kind of veered off track there, but for, for the David Burns St. Vincent thing, it was like find people that you know can play multiple instruments and then try and figure out how to pare these arrangements down from 15 to 20 to uh, we ended up with six, seven, six. Oh, geez. Hmm. I can't remember now. So it was like David and Annie, uh, David's, uh, sorry, Annie's musical director, him and I shared music director, uh, responsibilities and a drummer brian wolf who's amazing and then the seven brass players horn players i ha- had him as the, the stuff on youtube I, I was watching some of that um and it, it just looks like such a blast doing that it looks yeah. like yeah. you had a lot of fun the way you know all the choreography and you're yes. dancing dancing with david Byrne and you're all doing <laughs> yeah. everything it just looks great was it i mean was I it was a w- great project yeah i was watching some videos last night actually all like, right. um just because a friend of mine from the band had contacted me about something. And, um, yeah, I, I watched some videos last night. It was super fun. Like, I was questioning if I would be able to remember any of that choreography, and the answer is no, <laughs> for sure. But um, I think it was just sort of um, really advantageous. And when David and I first started talking about this, when he first asked me to, like, be music director, he didn't know that I had any experience with the marching band. And I did four years in high school and then two in college, and then I dropped that scholarship so I wouldn't have to do uh, mm. marching band anymore because it was awful in college. <laughs> but, oh, no. but it was really advantageous to have that experience because when it came time to working with the choreographer, uh, Annie B. Parson is her name. She's a fantastic uh, choreographer, really amazing. It was, you know, it was pretty easy. I, she would come to me with ideas and... I would say possible, not possible, you know, and then yeah. we sometimes meet in the middle there because um, uh, Seb, I don't know if you've tried to ever play trumpet oh. um, laying on your back on the ground, <laughs> no. but as you can imagine, it gets a little bit messy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I can't even play the trumpet while walking along. It's, <laughs> it's so yeah. Well, hard. so I basically like there were most of them, most of the people, 75% of them, there was only maybe three that had never had any marching band experience um, and a couple more that did, but just very minimal. So it was kind of like going back to band camp where I was like teaching people how to move with instruments. Yeah. Like you have to walk a very specific way, starting on your heel and then roll your feet down very slowly. Uh-huh. Um, and that way it sort of cushions, um, you know, the blow and you don't your tone isn't warbling so much i hope you're taking um, this all on so i am come on i am i just had to do um i did lab om uh the opera recently i had to do the marching band you come on stage and oh, yeah. uh 
oh, it's just really hard. It, you walk really fast as well, and you have to play at the same time. And, yeah, uh, it's I, not easy, especially it, something that's like technically challenging. Yeah. Well, it, well, it is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's not many vowels involved. It's all sort of bum bum ba da it's all that sort of stuff. But it's. Um, I mean, it always felt like that playing the trumpet was was sort of the uh, the secondary thing. It was more about the choreography, making sure you didn't just make an idiot of yourself. And uh, and then he's like, oh, and I managed to play most of the notes. Uh, <laughs> nice. I was pretty happy yeah. with it. If that if well that done. was the case. <laughs> but also, you get more money too because you're on the stage, right? Oh yeah, you do. And costume. <laughs> I had a fantastic French soldier costume. It was great. Nice. <laughs> All the perks. Yeah. yeah. So Kelly, with that with that tour, you were touring quite extensively, weren't you? So did were you with yeah. the same players throughout? Then did these guys you all worked as a unit for the whole thing? Yeah, um, there was maybe a late night thing or two where somebody couldn't make it, um, and we had to bring a sub in. But yeah, it was the same band for the whole time, and That's great. You know, it honestly wouldn't have worked really uh, no. if it hadn't have been. Um, and David was really smart about it. He when he signed me up to do it, you know, he's like, it's your responsibility to get these arrangements up and make sure the band sounds good and, you know, make sure that everybody's doing their job. But it's also your responsibility to be a buffer between these people and yeah. me and make sure that everybody's getting along with one another. And, yeah. you know, it, it, there was actually a couple of moments where it got a little hairy um, and I won't get into that, but um, yeah, we had to, I had to, you know, tell people, you know, get your get your shit together. Mm. Only sure. a couple times. It's yeah. not like yeah. I was some sort of drill sergeant, and it wasn't musical hardly ever. Like, no. I mean, I certainly never got mad at anybody about musical things. It'd just be like slight reminders. They were all brilliant musicians. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there was just, you know, if I, I like, it was interesting because every show there there was so much going on. Um, and the in, arrangements were really meticulous and the choreography was very meticulous too. Um, when the show was happening every night, I had to like make a mental checklist of like what, what, what if something went wrong, has it happened before? Um, and then every night I would think of three things because it, it, anything more than three was too many to remember. Um, and I couldn't like yeah. write it down. Yeah. Um, so like I would make a mental note of three things that we wouldn't have to work on on in sound check the next day. So as you could imagine, like a, a lot of the touring was theater. So the mm. controlled environments were fine, but when it came to festivals or, um, other venues that were not theaters, it was challenging because, you had to like adapt the show to maybe a bit of a smaller stage or yeah. um, we had this thing called, I don't know if you guys know what a Marley is, but it's like no. a, it's like a rubber mat that goes over the stage and dancers use it. And we spiked it um, so that we knew where our marks were and stuff like that. So that was a big help, but yeah, it, it was it very, very much like I had to be really detail oriented and, and, uh, yeah, keep on so, top much, of so much to think about if you're MDing a project, isn't there? You know, you've got yeah. the music. Oh, obviously, yeah. that's your main thing. But then it's yeah, it's, it's looking after all the people involved as well. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm really interested. And it's it's sort of how you, I think you met both doing uh, Father John Misty, which yeah. you're, you're the you're the MD of. Um, uh, no, oh, you're not the MD. Actually, of, technically not. No, um, Dan, the drummer, is the MD. Oh, okay, um, but I. I'm, I'm the arranger and mm. 
oh, okay. uh, I, the contractor and conductor and yeah, like, and I, kind I, of coordinate strings and horns, don't you, in the different places wherever you go, don't you? Is that yeah, yeah? yeah. I I I actually asked Dan about this. I'm like, is it okay if you know, because I've applied for a few things lately, grants and whatnot. Uh, is, I've asked Dan, is it okay if I say I'm music director of the orchestra or whatever? He's like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to get it clear. that, Yeah, yeah. sure. But, yeah, it's it's like hiring. I mean, working with you guys is great, the Army of Generals, because I don't have to do anything. Like, it makes right. my day really, really easy because you guys have all, all done it. I mean, most of the time yeah. there may be one person that hasn't done it before or something, but... Um, it's pretty much always the same group of folks and mm. you guys are great. And it's, it, you know, we, I don't have to, we don't even really at this point have to rehearse that much, but no. yeah. Yeah. When we're with, um, when we get a brand new set of folks, uh, every day, it, it, it's not easy, but it's also not that hard because I know the places where people are going to fuck up. So I can right. say like, just watch me here. Um, or you know whatever like yeah and and the music I, I i intentionally didn't make it that difficult you know because you don't want people like trying hard to play their part sight reading while yeah. playing with the mm. ensemble when they can't hear anything you know like no, sure but there's enough in what... the arrangements to keep them really interesting and great it's always a real pleasure to play i mean it's great anyway oh, it's a great show and <laughs> he's fab isn't he but uh, the whole thing is yeah. fantastic but um yeah there it's not like that it's a, just a selection of long notes or something there's a lot in there and it makes it so great to listen to as well i've seen it from both sides and watched a number of the shows and yeah fab arrangements so. oh you see that's right. I forgot that. You've seen the show without playing. Yeah. I saw it at uh, Glastonbury 2017. Oh, cool. Nice. In uh, yeah. John John Peel's stage, I think. It was in a tent. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I had some friends playing in the band as well, which is oh, really cool awesome. to see. Who? Uh, Ian Maxwell on trombone. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I think uh, Rebecca Crawshaw was on trombone. Yeah. She's oh, done all the right. ones I've yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's, she's great. She's always there. Yeah. Um, uh, occasionally we will do it where we have a larger group. Um, so that one, yeah, I think we we upped the horns to like five, and we may have even augmented strings as well. Um, but that that only happens a couple times a year, uh, yeah, or never again. Depending yeah, on when <laughs> shit shakes down. Yeah, oh yeah. god, yeah. I mean, but, it's an amazing um, sound with the. I've seen shows that um, that he's done, which have been just him or with, with the reduced band as well which are fantastic but there's a real thing about having the horns and the strings in there it just makes it so exciting it's well great. i think so <laughs> yeah good <laughs> um i was gonna ask as well because are there do you notice certain characteristics in groups of players in different countries and different cities that you're in that's a good question um i don't yes uh for example when we did dc um, I just remember that one being a really fun one because typically, you, uh, you know, string players are sometimes, uh, you know, not the most like loose people. Don't um, know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like this, there was one particular group in DC where everybody, like it was a little bit sloppier. Right. But it like the energy was amazing. Like brilliant. So yeah. w- when that I don't know if that has anything particularly to do with DC. Um, you get, yeah, you get different groups of people. 
and yeah, so another example that I can think of that's kind of the reverse of that was we there was this kind of nightmare scenario where um, for some reason we for one show in San Francisco the they wanted to hire a contractor. So this is the only show that I didn't contract other than the one with you guys. Right. Um, so this contractor wanted a bunch of money and like one, like wouldn't give me the information of the people in the orchestra. And like, it was really weird. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't even be talking about it, but it, it just consequently, like there was, it just wasn't happening. No. You know, the energy wasn't great. It was kind of like, it felt like people were just there for a paycheck or something and, and they weren't yeah. as like well attuned. You know, it's important to have people that are not just purely classical musicians. Totally. You know, because like yeah. you have to have some sort of, a, if you don't have an appreciation for the, the music that you're playing, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be your favorite thing, but if you don't have an inherent appreciation for it, you're not going to uh, do well. There was an album released, I think during this flipping lockdown period that it was um from the elb philharmonic wasn't there the the live yeah. recording there that's yeah that's really fantastic how was that how was that show oh man it was really fun it was a great show but it the three days two and a half days leading up to it were the weirdest in oh. my life kind of it was just like a series of travel snafus oh God. so like um flight was canceled from portland to la so i got I arrived to la late fortunately that flight to london was delayed so i got on that one got to london and ba had canceled all flights because of a computer glitch oh, God. so me and tom the tour manager had to uh. decide how to get to hamburg like and so i just traveled so that i had already gotten off a of red eye and then i traveled <laughs> an entire another another day on like seven trains to get from London to Hamburg. And I pulled up in like a Lyft or an Uber like 20 minutes after soundcheck was meant to have started or rehearsal was meant to have started. And so like, it's the biggest show of the tour. Uh. It's a big orchestra. There was like 30 people in the orchestra or something. It was probably the biggest orchestra we've used yet. Wow. Yeah. Um, but and they were great. They were fantastic, and the show was super fun. And that room is bonkers. Oh, it's amazing, um, isn't it? I love it yeah. there. So and the show I think went went pretty well. I'm sure I didn't play my finest, um, but yeah, I I listened to part of it and it sounds great. And um, mm. it was a fun one, super fun one. Do you have a favorite festival that you guys play at? Because I know, obviously, you've done the circuit a number of times now. Is there one that you've done either with multiple artists or specifically with Father John Misty that you absolutely love going back to? End of the Road is definitely my favorite festival. Um, I love it. I've I've headlined it. Well, not me, of course, but I've played with the headliner three times. So we headlined it with Beirut, headlined it with David Byrne and St. Vincent, and headlined it with Misty. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the, the booking at that festival is awesome. It's small enough. It's large enough that you get a lot of great folks, but it's small enough that you never feel overrun by dipshits. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah and, the, totally. and the people that run it are, I, you know, I'm friends with like, it's, it's great. Love it. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So you've got such a varied career. Um, what I'm quite inter- interested in is is your um, composition, solo writing. Mm-hmm. Bright moments is is your is your solo act name. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you had a record out in 2012. Yeah. Do you have more coming out under that name? or? Um, so I, that came out on uh, David's label, Luwakabop. Oh, okay. uh, he's kind of a silent partner in it. He owns it, but he doesn't really have much to do with the running of it or n- none to do with the running of it. And actually, that's how I got hooked up with David in the first place is because they put the record out and David listened to it and said, oh, maybe this guy would want to work on this record. Oh, so, cool. um, yeah, I put that record out, and it's it's kind of unfortunate because I had plans to, like, tour it a lot. Um, we played a handful of shows and actually came over to EK, UKEU to do, like, a couple weeks uh, when the record came out. But unfortunately, like, what was going to happen... So I put the record out, was going to tour, and then David asked me to be music director. So... I'm not going to turn that down to, yeah. you know, go play in Cleveland for 15 people. Right. Um, so <laughs> I, I said to David, I was like, you know, it'd be great if I could open the show, you know, that way, like I can, uh, you know, do the work for the record, but also do this too. And David was like, yeah, that sounds good. We'll do that. But then it became clear that this was like a 90-minute show and it was going to be like an evening with sort of situation. Um, so they nixed the opening idea. And then David was like, well, maybe we'll play one of your songs from the record and then, you know, we'll be the band. You will just use the band for that. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So I did like an arrangement. And then it was, it's like, oh, well, that's probably going to be kind of weird. So let's strike that idea so then basically like after the record comes out i did a little bit of touring for it and then i'm gone for two years basically you know yeah Um, it it wasn't like it wasn't the david bernstein vincent tour lasted like a year and a half but it wasn't like uh, even father john it wasn't like normal touring where you go six weeks and you take a couple off or you go a month and you take a month off it was more like you go six to eight weeks and then you have a couple months off. So, I mean, I, I suppose I probably could have toured it more. Um, but in any case, fast forward, I, I wrote another record under the name Bright Moments and then delivered it to the label. And they were like, eh, we don't want to put this out. They, uh, I, I think it. maybe partially because of maybe the record just didn't resonate with them. Or uh, also at that time, they had said no to several other of my label mates second right. records so 
they were for a long time like a reissue label. And then right when they signed me, they signed uh, several other bands. So mm. I think they were just sort of pulling back on what they wanted to do. And I didn't make it any easier for them by not touring and, and honestly, like not saying I probably wasn't going to tour this one either. Um, so I'm still sitting on it. Actually, it's been yeah. done a few years and I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to put it out this year. Like I, I've sent it to a few labels and no, nobody's had any interest. I personally think it's better than the last one, but um, we'll see. I'll, I'll I want to get it out sooner Great. rather than later. Yeah. But, but I have been sitting on it forever. Does yeah. it feel like um, with all these other projects going on that uh, there's always in the back of your mind, you have the, your compositions and your, your songs you want to get out there and that that's sort of your main expression of, of, of music or do you like, do you like to have a mix of everything as I'm sure? I, I'm sure I, I wouldn't do. say that. Um, I, in fact, it's, I find it kind of painful actually like songwriting Mm. Um, I, yeah. I don't feel like I'm a very good lyricist. I feel like I'm passable at it. And for me, there's nothing harder than just sitting down to a blank screen and writing, you know, like, yeah. um, it's, I much prefer collaboration, I think. And I, I think I'm better at it. I mean, let, uh, let's put it this way. Like I, I've heard some artists say this before. I can't remember who it was that said they hate creating but they like having created you know yeah yeah and that's kind of how i feel about bright moments um i'm happy like i i'm very proud of the records that i've done and i think they sound great but just like i i think back and it's like how did i even get there i, I don't have any like real recollection of the process that led from it not existing to it being a finished thing with artwork and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, to answer your question, no, I ma massively prefer uh, collaboration, even if it's like I've recently been doing a lot more film work and, yeah. you know, you're coming up with n something out of nothing there, but you have something to work with and you yeah. have a time constraint. We want this to be a minute 30 seconds or I, I've done some commercials lately. We, it has to be exactly 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. That, that stuff is fun. It, it gives you a, just even having the slightest framework. You need something, don't you? Just some um, deadline or just, well, I don't know, some framework. It's like just guidelines, to, isn't it? Yeah, guidelines, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I, I saw your name in the credits of Midsummer. Uh, I watched that recently. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, that I, was super fun. I imagine it was a little fanfare thing that that goes on some sort of halfway through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like eight, no, eleven seconds or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, the composer um, of that score is Bobby Krillick, who goes by the name Hexon Cloak, and he's just like a brilliant, brilliant composer and producer. He's producing the new Misty record, which oh. we're. 95% through with. Oh. And so Bobby and I had worked on the new Misty record a lot because he did this, all the string arrangements, but then they would send them over to me and I'd orchestrate them and write them out and um, sort of add some touches here and there. Um, so anyways, he was doing the score and he's like, Hey, he texted me. I was in the middle of a move. I was moving like the following day and he's like, Hey, can you, knock something out at home for me. I was like, yeah, send it over. So he sent me this fanfare and I did it for him and we did a couple of variations on it. And, um, then I didn't hear from him for a few days, figured we were done with it. 
And then I get a text from my a friend of mine, old friend who I met in New York in like 2003, um, who texted me. He's like, hey, can you write like a little fanfare for me? Ooh. And Gene is, he's like a, a mixer, a sound mixer for film. And I was like, is this for Midsummer?" <laughs> um, he's like, yeah. Um, I was like, well, I kind of need to check with Bobby first. He's like, wait, what, Bobby asked you to do something? <laughs> so like these two guys, like independently of one another, contact me to do this fanfare. So I, I, I was, again, still in the middle of a move. And I went into my wife's office at Harvard and just like knocked out like seven or eight fanfares. And they picked two. And I made a couple of revisions and then sent it over. It was literally like 20 minutes of work. <laughs> but it was super fun. Like, I yeah. love doing that stuff. <laughs> That's extreme time constraints, though. I like that. 20 minutes. Yeah, no, it's like, do it. Do it. I need it today. Yeah, bash. <laughs> That'll get it done, won't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I was just interested because I, I've, I'm, I've, I, re- I would really like to write some music and, and I've spent my whole career um, just you know interpreting music playing the trumpet and mm-hmm. and you know doing a lot more arranging these days as well but there's something in my mind i just would love to compose something and i i, I sit at the piano i noodle around and but it's, it's that blank page thing and i i really i feel that if someone just said write me something for this scene now i think i'd be able to do it I don't know if, if you have any advice for people in that situation. I'm not not just me, but uh. <laughs> people. <laughs> people. <laughs> um, well, you know, you can if if you want the practice of it, you can score a film. You know, like yeah, I guess you may you not necessarily get paid for it, but you can like take a film, a scene from a film that you really like, and download it and separate the audio out. Um, it, it's just now; it's so much easier now than it was five years ago than it was 10 years ago 20 years ago it was impossible to i mean people did it but like we have so many tools at our fingertips yeah um, that's right you know you you spend 500 or whatever it is and you can get native instruments complete like with all the soft sense of all the instruments in the orchestra with all of the like different weird modular synth programs they have with all the effects programs and mixing and all this stuff like um, you know, I've been expanding my soft synth library, but the, and again, you know, this is kind of part of the same thing maybe as the Spotify thing. So if you have all these tools, it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like I have to use all of them or something, you know? Um, so I think my advice, like, it's just get, get a little couple soft synth programs that you're happy with using and, and just mess around really you know yeah it, it it's like anything like when i first started doing that stuff like writing for film or whatever i i was working with not i working with is a very um exaggeration it was like this company that would send these briefs out and you would compose them without like a demo fee or anything and if you won like a the pitch, thing was it uh, yeah you pitch it yeah yeah um, now I don't really, I don't do those anymore. Only if I'm getting a demo fee. Um, yeah. but so yeah, I would do, I did a bunch of those and, uh, got better, got better and I'm still getting better at it now. I, I just now, like last year got my first like national real commercial. So like, 
Great. Great. But but it, it is like I'm again like I'm lucky in so many so many ways. I count my lucky stars every day to be able to work with great people. But also like the few film things that I've done. It's like a Jim Jarmusch movie yeah. and like an Ari Aster movie. Yeah. And like I like I wrote a song for Weird Al like that Amazing. he did on wow. this <laughs> sketch comedy show. So like I, I haven't done that much film work at all. I've scored like two shorts and additional music for a few other things but you know it, it, it you, you, if you do it you get better yeah it's like anything really absolutely but don't don't let it you know it maybe another piece of advice like don't be intimidated by trying to do something that's 10 minutes long because most cues and movies are not you yeah. know just try to write like a 15 second little thing with accordion and glockenspiel or something you know yeah most of the time when people come to me for music um they're looking for something that sounds like beirut like right the, three or four time three or four things that i've done it's like we want something that sounds like the the beirut mexican record so like yeah. I, I scored a short film about like this cockfighting thing in mexico and you know that's the sort of stuff i can do in my sleep so i, I when it <laughs> when it comes when i have like a blank slate to make whatever kind of music i want i won't do like beirut sounding stuff just because i've been there um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to try to do something else. Um, and typically there are horns involved be, just because those are the instruments that I have here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but more recently, like it has been getting more string heavy. Um, I've been getting in. I, I've got the like. Oh, we're getting in the nerd weeds. Here. <laughs> oh, that's okay. got, like the the Spitfire London Contemporary Orchestra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um soft synth package and i've got the like spitfire solo strings and chamber strings and there's really a lot that you can do with those libraries they're quite expensive um, yeah. but they're sort of the first like expensive libraries that i've owned um yeah they're worth but, yeah, like, up for aren't they those those ones yeah there. definitely there well you gotta buy them on black friday yeah oh, when they're half off because the bad string samples are really really bad aren't they yeah they are <laughs> not as bad as the bad horn samples though oh god oh. no i'm sure i'm sure that's true god, are <laughs> those awful. are way worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing i think we're we're going to be um empl employed you know no matter how good these samples get you can't beat the sound of live horns no. on the record, can you? I think. I mean, although right, the yeah. Spitfire ones do do come close because they. I ha yeah, I don't have the Spitfire <laughs> ones. I mean, I think like, but there's others. There's certain things you can do with any of them, right? Like, uh, I think that the low brass are are okay, especially yeah. if you're doing like a, uh, like a tuba umpa thing or something like that. Yeah. Just like a bass part, you know, and you know, sustained strings they are like perfect now they're yeah. they're really really good but if you want to do something melodic and pizzicato also oh God, are just yeah. like Mwah. yeah um yeah but like if you want to do anything that's melodic anything with a phrase um, any any sort of anything with a phrase yeah, that's... anything that's not staccato or spiccato um the spiccato is quite nice too but and then and then like with the, L the london contemporary orchestra one 
they the weird stuff is really good too like the um like the ponticello and, yeah and ponticello yeah. and um so it's weird yeah they, they they still haven't really figured or maybe it's just me haven't figured out how to do like a nice melodic string line yeah so uh, i'm quite glad who knows? to hear that better. yeah you know, <laughs> I know. that's okay <laughs> yeah yeah so looking forward beyond this time, whenever things might change, uh, what's on the cards for you next? Well, um, like I said, we're, I did a lot of work on this last Misty record. Um, so that's almost done. We ha- I, w- I had planned to fly out to L.A. to do the last song. Uh, it's kind of like a funeral dirge that I had done, like a sort of New Orleans arrangement for I don't know where we're at with that. That was like a month and a half ago. I obviously right. didn't go out there. Um, Josh and I have texted a couple times. The The initial plan was to put the record out early next year and then tour it for a hell of a long time. Um, so w- last year we did a month in June. And then we did, what was it? You guys were on with yeah. us on one of those last gigs, Yeah. Right? Oh, God. Uh, Green Man. Yeah. Green Man, right. That was great. So yeah. we did a we did a month in June in the States, uh and then we did like three weeks in Europe and the UK in August. And that was the last show. Was Green Man, I think. Yeah, it was. That was the last time. Um so yeah, we had planned to take this entire year off with may there was talk of maybe doing something in the fall. I'm sure that's not gonna happen now, but right. Uh, you know, it's not been too unfortunate for me because I was plan planning on this long break anyways. Um, so when that record comes out, hopefully we'll be able to play shows again. Mm. Um, yeah. Other than that, right now, um, I do some work on this TV show, Bob's Burgers. That's this animated oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. And there's a movie coming up um, and I'm working with the working with the Bob's Burgers folks on doing some arranging work. And when it comes time to to do the, it's a musical and oh, wow. when it comes time to record the music me and my friends ideally this is the plan will be the band so like right um, we'll go into the studio and do all the music for the movie and that'll be later this year um hopefully if if we can even get there oh that sounds um, like that'll be really fun that'll be great yeah. and if yeah. you anyway that's fab yeah we've done i've done a little bit of stuff with these guys for bob's burgers before and for another project um, on, under the same production company, and the the creator of the show is just a real great dude. Musician loves using real musicians, and uh, just a real nice, sweetie guy. So yeah, that's that's the next thing. And other than that, it's like sixteen hours a day try to entertain a four year old. Oh god, yeah. try to like because uh, my wife is working still mm. pretty much full time. So, oh my yeah. god, it it really is. It they are long days, aren't they? Oh. Yeah, 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 really long. And then you put her down at seven thirty, and the only thing I want to do is like get a drink and watch yep. some stupid TV. I can't possibly I know. think at that time. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, the thing is that I found that drinking is the thing that marks out day to night. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It's doing nothing for my health, around. but mentally. <laughs> no. Great. Well, we're fortunate enough to be across from this really nice reservoir. So, like, I get the kid out for two, three hours a day at least. And I, I'm getting 
I'm getting my seven miles in <laughs> in the step count, so I'm good. feeling good physically. Well but, done. Yeah, I do. I do have a little internal alarm bell that dings off at five o'clock without even being anywhere around the clock, <laughs> yeah. knowing what time it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, talking about Spotify earlier on, uh, we're doing a Spotify playlist to accompany this okay. podcast, and uh, yeah. it's sort of it's very eclectic already. And we were just wondering if you had any anything you're listening to at the moment, or any recommendations of things people should uh, go to. Jesus, that new Fiona <laughs> Apple record is <gasps> like yes. the best thing I've heard in years. It's bonkers. It's we so were talking about this oh. yesterday. I've heard it's amazing. That's brilliant. I will get on to that. Yeah, it's the, probably the best record. I don't remember having a reaction to a record like this since probably uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. You know, wow. Like, Seriously. Big talk. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's like a, it's a life changer. It's, it's one for the history books, I think. Oh my God. Wow. That, well, that, I'm going to put it on right phrase. now. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I, I, and I don't really have too much time to listen to music right now. No. So that's the only one I can really think of right off the the top of my no that's good though you've gone in big on that one so (laughs) Uh, well also um uh, i should mention last night i was listening to a lot of fela and tony allen because unfortunately the master tony allen left us yesterday yeah Yeah. oh and but he leaves behind a vast catalog of rhythm for us to digest he's my favorite drummer and Brian Eno agrees with me, and a lot of people do. Yeah, He's, yeah. He, I, I, I wrote this in a Facebook post yesterday, but Tony Allen informed uh, pretty much everything that I know about rhythm. So, like any anything that I write in a rhythm part is inspired by Tony Allen and his work with Fela and his his own work as well. It's just about mm. like interlocking 16th notes uh just like groove knowing exactly where everything needs to go and not go yeah amazing well, that's another big one to put on there then, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and he, he was such an—I um, mean, there's such an inspiration on on David Byrne as well, that fellow Cootie and. Uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and Radiohead. Um, yeah, so there's yeah. no Radiohead with no Fela and no Tony Allen. Right, yes, that was Kelly Pratt. Ah, that was so good and so interesting. And honestly, his recommendations for that Spotify playlist, that Fiona Apple, I just think that's awesome. That album's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is really good, yeah. Um, We didn't say, obviously, we recorded that a few weeks ago Mm. because we referenced some things like Tony Allen dying and... um, Mm. But yeah, and then, so since then we've listened, we've both been listening to that Fiona Apple album. Yeah. And uh, it's really great. I love it. It's so good. Um, Yeah. So thanks to uh, Kelly for giving up his time and chatting to us. It was uh, was interesting. He's really worked with some really fantastic people. And um, yeah, he's a nice bloke. Yeah, yeah. Good sage (laughs) advice there on all things to do with arranging and composing, I thought. 
Yeah. yeah nice. Definitely. <laughs> and yeah, I, I need to watch more of that uh, Bob's Burgers. I've not really watched that. Oh, no, I haven't either. But I was just looking it up beforehand. I think I might stick that on this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know anything about it. Yeah, uh, there'll be people listening to this that are going, oh my God, you idiot. Don't you know Bob's Burgers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I do know it. I think I might have watched one episode. My An old flatmate used to love it. Oh, really? A girl called Dot. Girl called Donna. Yeah. She used to love Bob's Burgers. <laughs> uh, time to catch up with one, Donna. A similar one. Donna, yeah. If you're listening, Donna, I don't think she'll be listening. She's, she's too cool to, to listen to this. <laughs> she's a very cool girl. Oh. Miss Donna. Well, Donna, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> this, one's, this one goes out to you. <laughs> this one goes out for you, Donna. Uh, but uh, you won't be listening. Anyway. Um, How's your week, um, Seb? You had a good week? My my week? Yeah. yeah, I've had a good week, thanks, yeah. Oh. It's been um, a few things. Um, we've been trying to buy a house. <gasps> yes. So we've been... Uh, How's that going? Like, we did a sealed bid for a house. Wowzers. Which is, um, well, I mean, it's just stressful, isn't it? Yeah, have you heard back from that yet? Um, we're hopefully, we hopefully we've, we might, I think we've got it. <gasps> but, um but we've been out outbid. We won the thing, and then we've been outbid. Oh, someone else, God. you know, even afterwards, you yeah. know, someone else has put in more money, and then. But I think the lady who's selling is, um, she's sticking to her principles. And Good on her. With us. Oh. But I'm just the only worry is that you know she talks to one of her relatives this morning. This morning, and is like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Take the money." <laughs> what you need to Forget do is start. Principles. Yeah, blow that. Start sending her presents. I suggest. Like, yeah. you know, like in Friends, a basket of muffins. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do it. She's got a cat. She's got a very nice cat. I could, oh, has I she? could um, give her some lovely cat presents. Yeah. Yeah, cat treats. That would definitely swing it. <laughs> yeah, you <Yeah>. can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that was that, which is quite, um, it's quite stressful. But, mm. you know, it's not, it's not too bad. You know, it's, it's like at the end of it, we might get an absolutely brilliant house. So. Quite. God, um, I hope so. That would be brilliant. What else? Um, oh, we started doing NCT yesterday. <gasps> Right, amazing. Which, um, How was it? What's that? Nas- National Children's Trust. Is that what that stands for? Something like that. So, yeah, something like that, I think. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, was it, it was like um, there were seven couples and a, a lovely lady called Annie yeah. um, running it. And Did you learn a lot? Yeah. Have you learned a lot I already? Did, actually, I did, I did learn a lot, yeah. Good. It's the sort of thing like we, we weren't sure whether to do it because it's quite expensive, but mm. we thought like it's quite nice to meet some people going through the same thing quite. but it's like you're just sort of paying for some friends but actually <laughs> um it was quite interesting like things like knowing when to go to hospital and have the baby exactly that's quite thing right yeah so i think i know that one now did annie and do just... dad shaming did she do any dad shaming there uh not really <laughs> oh, i don't think so we had that in our classes where we had this yeah. amazing midwife who, who like she'd ask questions and she'd say okay this one's for the dads how how close should the contractions be and and every dad would look terrified and one would <laughs> finally pipe up with something and she'd go 10 seconds apart what do you mean dad? like and laugh her head off and like everyone would just be pointing at the poor dads it was great oh god <laughs> yeah um no she was all right actually she was quite nice uh, everyone I don't, yeah, I think all the dads seem pretty, um, pretty, pretty on it, really. Oh, it was good. All, it was all dads, all met, yeah, all heterosexual couples oh, in this one. Right. But, um, sure, that can all be all different. Very conventional, you know, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty conventional, yeah. yeah. Um, what uh, I was trying to think. 
I've just seen, basically I just saw lots of pictures of placentas and mm. mucus plugs. Oh, lovely. What a treat. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, I mean, you're, it's probably not nice to hear about because you're a bit hungover today, aren't you, Verity? Oh, the thing is... I don't mean to I, land you in it like that. Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, um, I've got a bit excited, shall we say, yesterday because it was yeah. my friend's birthday and we'd all booked in for time slots to go and visit her in her front garden. And, um, and nice. mine was towards the end of of the day and I, I stayed actually I mean I didn't stay that long but obviously in the time I was there there was a lot of fears and a lot of excitement and whew, yeah today's tricky <laughs> yeah I found this this is quite hard to do this sort of thing on a hangover isn't it yeah I mean you might have noticed I've, I've done the, <laughs> <laughs> I've done the I didn't remember last week I felt quite low energy what had oh. I done the night before I've done something mm. some sort of late night zoom zoom thing but um yeah it does it does knock it out of you doesn't it it really it really it's does to, it's hard to try I, I wonder if terry wogan ever ever sort of had to go through a stinking hangover i imagine he would have had an irish coffee or something to help himself through it which yeah, is maybe what i should be probably. doing now yeah i think he just kept going <laughs> prolong prolong the pain yeah yeah exactly i'm just finding it very hard to speak in full sentences and well, as you can tell, on the senses, it was very hard to... I hope you could make sense of that introduction because it was a lot of rambling, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we had to re-record it about 17 times. <laughs> and we still didn't come up with anything spectacular. So sorry. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what was good this week. Yeah. The old Play Along Symphony. Oh, it was amazing. too. Yes. I think it's my favourite one yet. Me too. It was so exciting. I felt brilliant after that. Yeah. That's really what an yeah, epic really piece. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I I really vividly remember the first time I ever heard it was in when I was at junior college. Um, probably when I was about I say thirteen or fourteen mm. or something. And uh and just the bit where it goes from the third movement into the fourth movement. Yes. Um, it's just the best bit of music. It really, really and then is. That fourth movement is just like I'm sure Celine Dion has, has recorded a version of it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a proper pop song. It really, it really is. It's such a stand-up, like, at the beginning of that, I feel like she's just like, stand up and rah! Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good, So, yeah. so good. Yeah, because I found um, this week a bit of a struggle, to be honest. I don't know whether it was the weather yeah. or... Or maybe oh, the yeah. news, weather, yeah, terror. The news that um, bad the news, kids, bad weather. Yeah, kids won't be going back to school till September, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think, it, like, even though I had that in my mind anyway, I think it all really hit hard this week. So that was so good because I felt like doing that symphony on Friday and Friday in general, it felt like a good turning point. Like I was back in the game. Yeah. But so yeah, brilliant. Yeah, mm. it's, it's been hard, isn't it? Because it's been really good weather until now, and yeah. now it's bad weather. It really kind of well. It, you just have to sort of stay indoors. Yeah. You definitely can't really go out. And it's like, oh, there is nothing to do, is there? No, um, literally so it, it not. It does. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Um, <laughs> but uh, things like that, 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 those do help, don't they? Those playing those. Yeah, it was a game changer. Um, it really was. So if you haven't done it yet, anyone listening, um, please do. Like, c come and join in. Um, there's a Zoom meeting that, that we all do and we can't hear each other because that, that doesn't work, obviously. But we um, we can see each other and there's like, you know, usually about sort of 20, 25 people on there and often yeah. new people. And some people I don't even know. And uh, it's nice. And and everyone's welcome. Strangers, 
We're, you know, we're, strangers are just yeah. friends you haven't met yet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but do it. Join us in. Um, so it, next week, what, yeah. oh, I haven't. I'm going to do a poll, and uh, as always, but I, uh, I'm not really sure what one to do actually because it's probably best if it, if the music's on IMSLP. So yeah, exactly. We need the composers to have been what, dead for 75 years. Oh, okay. So um, yeah. Some things are okay. Trouble is, like things like Stravinsky and Shostakovich aren't there. Of course not. That's such a shame. Or maybe Prokofiev. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean, there may be ways of acquiring that music. Maybe you just have a, have a copy anyway, or yeah, or well, maybe maybe there's other ways. Maybe you could go back in time a bit further, even. This I don't know. It's not so good because of obviously trumpets, oh, yeah. trombones, things like that. You want a big. Yeah, Big thing, don't you, you lose all the tubers and the trombones. Yeah. And, um, the parts aren't quite as good either. No, but... right, exactly. Brahms, maybe? Yeah, but I think it's the same with the trombones. They're in like oh. one or two movements. And I mean, what have we done? We could do some some more Mahler, some yeah. another yeah. another Sibelius at some point. Um, Absolutely. There's I'm, some... I'm sure, everyone, sure everyone could get a copy of, of Shoss 5. I would have thought so, surely. They? Yeah. Yeah. I think you st- should stick that one on there. That's an awesome piece as well. I'll put it. I'll put it on there. Yeah, that nearly Great. won the other day, actually. I think I voted for that one actually, <laughs> but I'm yeah. glad in retrospect. Sibelius was the thing. <laughs> yeah, Sibelius was brilliant. Yeah, um, but there's some other good Sibelius. Sibelius Five is a good one. Oh though. yes, cool. Sibelius Seven. What about Bruckner? That's just a slog, isn't it? Bruckner. Yeah, it doesn't fill me with excitement, but <sighs> I don't know. It just sounds like hard work. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> um, yeah i'm drawing a blank on anything yeah. else I'm just, my brain's mush so i have to think ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well thanks for joining well, us all again yeah thanks everyone thanks for listening it's, it's really honestly like doing this really is brilliant i love it and um me I'm so too glad we're doing it yeah and Thanks to everyone that's listening each week. Yeah. And, and, and for all the lovely messages the and things. Everything. It's yeah. really heartwarming. And uh, yeah, it's such fun. And we've met such cool people and we've got a whole bunch coming up as well. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's great. It really gives me a sense of purpose. Me too. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Um, so look, have a, lo- have a lovely week, everyone. And I don't know what you're doing. Um, don't know what the weather's going to be like. If it's... Look, if it's going to be rubbish again, don't worry about it. Just, just you know, look in, you know what? Look in your tea bag cupboard and just find <laughs> some tea you've not drunk for a while. Really get into oh, that. Well, that sounds nice. There must, there must be some tea that you go, oh, yeah, I bought that um, uh, one that's called Sleepy Time. Oh. And just like, <laughs> just try that. that out again. Watch something nice on the, on the box <laughs> with your tea. Yeah. Put your feet up. There's Lovely. Yeah, do that. There we go. Yeah. Have a great week, everyone. And um, we'll see you next uh, next Monday for episode 12. Hurrah! Another musician. Okay, then. Bye. Bye. bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.